I said on last Sunday that I was none too enthused in the way the lectionary sort of chopped up those, that Hebrew text. So it's Hebrews 11, 1 through 12, 2, okay? Um, and I, I think I asked y'all to read it, well, you know, last week. I'm going to believe you did, amen? Yeah, just nod, amen? You know, there you go. So I will pick up at 11 at the 29th verse and read through 12.2, okay? Listen for the word of God. And this section um, is called The Faith of Other Israelite Heroes. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more can I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. And then chapter 12, verse 1, again, very familiar verses to so many of us. Therefore, right, that's why we put these two together because with the word therefore, it's like, okay, you read all this other stuff, now therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run, run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Taking the weight off. Amen. Not just weight watchers, but taking the weight off. 
Let us pray. Oh, gracious and all wise God, holy God, we thank you for this day, and, and I thank you for the faithful who have joined us in the sanctuary and online, and I pray for the faithful and the seekers who will come and watch on delay. In all these things, oh God, we know that your spirit must rest mightily with us. So God, send the preacher your spirit. Help me to preach and help your people to hear no matter when they hear the word. May the word go deeply, Lord God. May they feel encouraged, and may they want to run on in faith to see what the end is going to be. May they want to run and tell someone about a Savior. May they want to run, Lord God, and speak of your goodness and do your goodness in the world so that we might not just be hearers of your word, but doers, O oh God, so that your name might be praised, your son glorified, in your kingdom on earth advanced. And we pray this and every prayer in the sweet name of our Savior. And his name is Jesus. And it is marvelous to our ears. It is in his name we pray and have our being. Amen, amen, and amen. Taking the weight off. Amen, that, that, that could be something all together there, but I'm going to let that ride for a little bit. Amen. Well, friends, this is our second message from Hebrews, starting again in that 11th chapter, going all the way to Hebrews 12.2. It is our second sermon in a sermon series entitled Pillars of Faith. Know that by pillars of faith, we are not only speaking of those persons we claim as our faith heroes, those we have known throughout our lives who taught us and showed us by the way they lived their lives as disciples what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. But by pillars of faith, we also refer to the principles of faith that are pillars, right? And again, I invite you, I encourage you <clears throat> to share with us your faith heroes, amen? Send it to us. You can come by the church as Rhonda did and we'll record it. I really believe that if we speak about those who, who put their hope into us and whose faith rested on not what they could see, not just what was around them, but who and what was in them, <clears throat> then we too might be encouraged. Come on, think about it. <coughs> I'm having a moment here. <clears throat> I want you to think about telling us how they lived what they believed, how they lived the lives they sung about, how they lived knowing what they knew to be true and how their lives were shaped and governed by their trust in God and God's promises in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do like Rhonda, just tell somebody who may not have known Miss Wright just what Mrs. Wright meant to her and to the faith. Because I believe that when we remember, it does something in and for us. It encourages us in our own faith journey to know that it is, it is possible to remain steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It helps us to remember that those folk were able to run on to see what the end was going to be. They were able to run on in spite of the times. They were able to run on and be faithful in good and bad times. 
I believe that in recounting their stories, we also gain wisdom and we recognize that it is possible to remain faithful even in the midst of a faithless world. And I can't help but think that this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews was attempting to do when he was listing the heroes of faith in the Hebrew scriptures. The author was inviting those who were struggling in their life of faith and who were tempted to give up. And last week we talked about slipping away. He was inviting them to remember again and again that they were descendants of those who remained faithful and who trusted in the promises of God, even if they didn't get to see it at that particular point in time. They knew it was coming. You see, the audience of the letter were Jewish Christians who were being weighed down by the hostility and ridicule they were experiencing on account of their faith in Jesus. The pressure to conform to the demands, of the, the behaviors, the, the mindset of society weighed heavily on them. You know what it's like. People want you to live, think, and act like everybody else. To not live contrary to the culture, it can be very difficult. And as a consequence, they were becoming discouraged and demoralized. They felt excluded and, and out of step with the culture, and they were tempted to turn back. They were tempted to turn around. They were tempted to not press on, to press their way in their life of faith with Jesus Christ. Let's tell the truth. It's not easy to be in the world, but not of it. It is not easy to follow Christ when everybody else is following the crowd, to follow Christ when everybody else is following the culture and just doing what feels good, however long it feels good, when it feels good, and to whom it feels good to. And so the writer of Hebrew not only reminds them and by extension us to remember that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. But in order to run the race, in order to live the life of faith, we must do so with perseverance and joy as they did. And in order to do that, we have to lay aside every weight and sin, and sin that so easily clings that stays so close to us. I mean, it's, it's hard to run a race with perseverance, with determination, with commitment, with urgency, with stamina, with the certainty of finishing when we are weighed down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I have never, nor do I have any plans to be a long-distance runner. I appreciate DeAndra and the boys who run um, cross-country, and I know y'all run fast and quick. Pastor appreciates y'all. I'm happy if I can walk it, okay? But I can imagine the likelihood of trying to run a marathon, carrying heavy weights, and expecting to finish strong or to finish at all, seems unrealistic. Why would you run a race carrying weights? 
Why would anybody want to run weighed down? And yet there is so much in this life that can and does weigh us down and hinder us from running the race that God has set before us with joy and perseverance. There's so much in this world that trips us up, that tires us out, or prevents us from even running at all, from even getting in the race. I like how Janet Hunt, she's one of my favorite Christian bloggers, points out that those who comprise the list of the faithful mentioned in the letter in Hebrews, surely, surely, y'all, they had to lay something aside in order to follow where God was leading them. Abraham had to cast aside the security of what he had always known in order to go forward into the promised future that God had for him. He had to leave his family and be a wanderer. Both he and Sarah had to cast aside the belief that they were too old to have children or that they had to take matters into their own hands. You know what they did with Hagar when it seemed as if God was delayed. They decided, well, we might as well do it for ourselves. Amen. We'll do it the way the world says do it. Y'all, sometimes we've got to lay aside our doubts. Sometimes we have to lay aside our time schedule in favor of God's. Sometimes we have to lay aside our need to be in control and to control the process that God is trying to manifest. Sometimes we got to lay aside that it's too late, I'm too old, that there's anything too hard for God. That there's anything impossible for God's promises to flood our lives. We need to make up our own minds sometimes and just run on and see what good God will bring into being. Moses had to lay aside all the wrong that had been done to him and all the wrong that he had done. I mean, you think about it. Your mama, I have all the other little kids dead at your age. Your mama shoves you in the water and you raised by people who are killing your people. Really? And then you get so angry, you're going to kill somebody. And then he ran away. Even though his past was problematic, God still called Moses, and Moses had to lay aside the weight of his past, all the things that he had done and been done to him in order to answer God's call. Maybe there is something in your past that is hindering you from running the race that has been set before you. A weight that you keep carrying around inside of you about what has been done to you what, or what you did. But child, I'm here to tell you, you need to cast that weight aside so that you can run on, so that you can be who and what God is calling you to be. And God has set a race before each one of us. All the faith heroes named must have had something because this life is going to give you something, okay? I know how I said that word. They must have carried something that they needed to release so that they could go where God was leading them. Think about it. Rahab. 
Rahab was an outsider. She was a foreigner. She didn't even belong to the faith that she was standing on, that she was betting her life on. Surely she had to lay aside and step out on a faith that wasn't hers to do what God needed done. In fact, the text says she was a prostitute. She was a harlot. And we all know what that means. She had a shady past. And all that comes with that. But she had to lay all that aside. She had to lay aside her past, her position, her, her employment, her, the fact that uh, these people, she didn't know them, faith. She had to just trust her. She had to lay aside her fear. She had to lay it all aside. And she is now listed in the pantheon of faithful for Israel. She took a risk to help in order to play a part in God's plan. You got to lay aside your fears and maybe even your failures to take part in God's plan, the race that God wants us to run. And what about Gideon, who is also named as a faith hero? Really, Gideon? Gideon, the one who was hiding out from Israel's enemies in the wine press. He hiding out from them. Gideon, who made a one excuse after the other. He was as bad as Moses. He made a one excuse after the other to not answer God's call. He tested God. He asked God to give him sign after sign. God made the fleece wet. God made the fleece dry. God do this to the fleece. It's like, really, Gideon? He had to lay all of that aside. And then he told God, I'm the least of the least tribes in Israel. He had to lay aside of his sense of inadequacy. He had to lay aside his fear. He had to lay aside his doubts and trust that God would give him the power, that God was with him, that God would do exactly what God said God would do. So he went and led Israel's army into battle against the Midianites. And then there is a story of Jephthah. He is, the only, he is not only the outside son, child, now y'all know what I mean. He is the outside child, but the son of a prostitute. And his half-brothers want nothing to do with him because they think he ain't legit. He's not good enough. So they kick him out and they refuse to give him his share of their father's inheritance. And actually, he was the first child. He should have gotten it. I bet he had some shame, y'all, associated with his parentage and how he was treated. I bet he had some resentment around all of that what his brothers did to him. But just imagine the weight he would have to set aside when those same brothers, those same brothers who kicked him out, those same brothers who wouldn't give him any inheritance, those same brothers came to him and asked him to join them in their war against the Mennonites. To protect Israel, like, oh, now y'all want me to help you, huh? But he laid it aside. All of it, he laid it aside. To run the race, to do the thing that God was leading him to do. Everybody got something, y'all. 
Samson had to lay aside his pride that he had been gifted by God to do something, but then he wasted it, and he asked God, God, you give me one more time, and I will do it right this time. Barak had to lay aside his fear and had to count on a woman to go into battle, the devil to go into battle with him, but he did it. Samuel had to lay aside that, that he, he thought he knew who God was choosing, and God had to tell him, look here, the outside ain't what I'm looking for. It's the inside. It's the heart. And David, child David had to keep letting stuff go. He had to let go what he did with Bathsheba. He had to let go that he set up his chief soldier, commander, to be killed. He had to let go what happened with Absalom. He had to let it all go. And yet David had said, I've been young and I've been old, but I have never seen God's anointed begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. They all had something that would slow them down, that would hold them up in the race of faith. They all had something. Even those disciples, Peter, oh man, Peter's about in the same category as David. Peter had to let all kind of stuff go. His pride, his arrogance, his anger, his quick temper. Had to let it all go. Paul had to let go that he had been part of attacking God's people. Everybody had a weight they had to lay aside so that they could continue forward in faith. You think we have nothing? Friends, I wonder what's weighing on you. What is hindering you from being fully faithful? What is holding you back from running the race of faith unencumbered with perseverance and joy? Perseverance means you keep working at it. Perseverance, you know you're going to finish. Joy means that you are happy to do it. Not begrudgingly, not complaining, not haphazardly, not half-heartedly. People tell me, tell me they're serving and they're doing it half-heartedly. If you can't do it heartily as unto the Lord, then don't do it. What is it, y'all? What's holding you back? What's weighing you down? Is it your pride? They didn't pick me. They didn't ask me to do that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Is it your pride? Your arrogance. You think y'all let in a bag of chips? What about apathy? Just don't seem to care that much. Don't seem to care about what the church does. Don't seem to care about apathy. I got mine. What is it, y'all? Is there something in your past that, that haunts you and hinders you in the present? I believe Jephthah would say your past may, may have defined you, but it does not have to determine your future. Is there some secret sin or shameful incident that is dragging you down that the adversary plays the tape recorder over and over again and you just can't seem to shake it? Baby, it's because you're trying to deal with it on your own. Maybe your heart is still heavy with grief 
We all can carry losses, both old and new, so deeply inside of us that they go unresolved and unhealed, weighing us down and wearing us out. We just think we're supposed to take a licking and keep on ticking. We've had these hurts one after the other in our heart, and we try to tell people when they ask us how we're doing, we say, I'm okay. Lying, you ain't okay. It hurts. It's hard. And we think we're supposed to handle it and, and carry it all by ourselves. That's not God's will. That's not God's way. And that ain't the way of the faithful. Maybe it's unrealistic expectations that we have of others or ourselves. Or maybe people place unrealistic expectations on us. Maybe we don't go because we're afraid of failure, of being found out that maybe we're not as good, as smart, as strong, or as able as we let on. And so we hide out from the truth. We hide out from ourselves. We don't trust God to equip us for the race, for the journey. What if what's holding us back is just fear? deep sense of inadequacy, fear that it just won't work out. So if it ain't going to work, then I might as well not try. I might as well not run. Maybe it's worrying about the future over which we have no control over anyway. What's going to happen to a church when people can just watch at home? The truth is that many of us carry around inside us things that drag us down, that hold us back, that just weigh on us. Friends, what weights must you and I lay aside in order to run the race that is set before us? And God has set a race before us individually and collectively. What weights must we cast off? What weights must we lay aside to run the race even in, or especially in times like these? There's something that we got to cast off, something we got to lay down, some sin that clings so closely that we got to kick to the curb. You see, this, this is why I think we, <coughs> we need to remember <coughs> all those who inhabit our great cloud of witnesses, both the biblical and the personal. Because what we realize is they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. Thanks be to God, we don't have to be perfect. But they kept their eyes on the one who was a pioneer and perfecter of their faith. They kept their eyes on Jesus. They just kept following Jesus. And what we saw as perfect, as faithful, were people who just set their minds to run the race that was set before them. When, when the word says pioneer, it means that Jesus, that Jesus went already to the uncharted territory. 
Jesus was a pioneer. We don't have to go to an uncharted territory. We don't have to chart the path. Jesus has already done that. All we got to do is follow the path that Jesus laid out. That's all we got to do. And Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. We don't have to perfect ourselves. Jesus will do that as he walks with us and talks with us, as we relinquish and surrender more of ourselves, more of the weights to Jesus. Jesus will lighten our load. Jesus will share the burdens. Jesus will share the cares of this world with us and remind us that I've already overcome the world, all of it. I've overcome the fear. I've overcome the, those who think they have power. I've, over, I've even overcome death. Come follow me. Get on the race. Get in the game and go. Come on. You don't have to run like somebody else's run. You just run the race that God has set before you with perseverance and joy. Put some effort into it. Train up for it. And run it. Run it to the end. Knowing that God is with us until the end of everything. Know that God is with us and God is always at work in the world, even when our eyes can't see it. That's why we got to walk by faith and not by sight, that God is up to something. I think about my grandmother. My grandmother was a domestic at the University of South Carolina for the women's squad. And when my grandmother was a young woman, Black people couldn't walk on the campus of the university or the state house unless they worked there. Do you understand that? That's what she was. She, she was the maid in the woman's squad at the University of South Carolina. And then in just a generation or so, her granddaughter. And I remember telling my grandma, like, Granny, it's no big deal. You ain't got to come. <laughs> but her granddaughter was getting a Ph.D., the first African-American to get a PhD in her, in that discipline, from the same place where she cleaned toilets. And she told my mama, she said, I don't care if y'all have to wheel me up in that COVID center. I'm going to see this thing. I'm not sure when she was cleaning those toilets that she said that she knew exactly how God was going to make a way, how God was going to fulfill the promises that all carry. Your children won't always be cleaning toilets, child. Your children won't always, your descendants will be something. And when she walked up in there and the president and the deans and all those people say, oh, Sheila, blah, blah, blah. My grandmother said, I have seen the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. No, I didn't know she didn't know how it would come out. But she knew. She knew that God would make a way that God could be trusted. And maybe her race was just to clean. Maybe her race was just to cook for Dean Fig of USC's law school and of Strom Thurmond. Maybe that was just her job to run that race in that kitchen but also to raise some children who said that trouble ain't going to last always. And God will raise us up to be the head and not the tail. So just run on, run on and see what that end, that good end, both here and one day with the Lord, what it's going to be. Because it's all going to be good. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.